Hello, and welcome to the Tartan Tardigrade. This is a podcast brought to you by the UK Centre for Astrobiology at the University of Edinburgh. In the podcast, we talk to astrobiologists from around the world about their research, their careers, and anything else that comes to mind. In this episode, we are joined by Mohit Melwani Daswani from the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, who told us about modeling of icy moons' interiors. So I'm Mohit Melwani. I'm a postdoctoral scholar at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. Um, I work on the geochemistry of icy moons uh, and a little bit on the geochemistry of Mars and early Mars especially. Um, yeah, I study water-rock interaction, uh, the evolution of icy moons, and I'm trying to understand whether the oceans in these icy moons are uh, suitable for life as we know it. Thank you, Mohit. Um, can you tell me what is the most exciting result from your current research? Um, so, so I think from my very recent research, uh, I've seen that water-rock interaction at the seafloor of Europa could supply sufficient energy for certain biological reactions that, that, are, that are important for um, um, energy. Uh, for producing ATP that's important for energy, for uh, met metabolism. Um, yeah, that's one, one recent result that, that I thought was surprising and, and interesting. Nice. Yeah, so there would be enough energy on the water-rock interface of Europa for life to, to mm -hmm. maintain. To, Precisely, to, to yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you end up doing these res the research that you are doing today? Um. So how did I end up doing the research I'm doing today? Um, I, I think uh, in, in academia, you, you need to be um, a little bit open-minded and uh, uh, sort of be a, um, uh, a jack-of-all-trades. <laughs> um, so, so I started off doing research on, on Mars, the geochemistry of Mars. Uh, but geochemistry is geochemistry, and if it works on Mars, then um, the same theory should be able to be applied in, in Europa and icy moons. Um, but, but I think I took a bit of a, a windy path, just like this explanation. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was circumstance, partly, partly my, my own interest uh, and my curiosity. Um, I think that's that's kind of an important thing to have a, as a scientist. Just be cur curious, and and that will lead you to interesting science. I think. Interesting. And can you tell you, tell us anything about the geochemistry of Mars? <laughs> since you mentioned that, um, so uh, M Mars has been a, a slight obsession of mine. <laughs> uh, it's always in the back of my mind, even though I'm currently focusing on uh, on icy moons. Um, Because it's our closest neighbor, uh, habitable neighbor, let's say, maybe habitable, mm. uh, quite likely habitable in the past. Um, so uh, I, I've been studying the, um, the, the climate of early Mars and trying to understand uh, whether there was also whether the, um, the conditions were, uh, were right for, for life as we know it. And also trying to understand whether Mars was warm enough for uh, lo long periods of time, uh, sufficient to produce liquid water on the surface. Um, so I used a, of, a combination of Martian meteorites, 
um, and geochemical modeling uh, of the surface. Uh, we we used to use geomorphology a lot uh, to understand how landforms uh, form at the surface of Mars, whether they require liquid water or not, um, and also looking at minerals and what conditions they form under. That gives us it, it, those those things give us a, a clue. Uh, about the conditions of the surface of Mars. And you were talking a bit about your your background and that you um, needed to be flexible and that your path to the research that you're currently doing was, was not really a straight path. Um, so can you tell a bit about how how you got here and how um, yeah what what made you make those changes? Um, I, I think, like like I said, it was a lot of it had to do with with circumstance. The the opportunities came up. Uh, so so I studied geoinformation science and Earth observation during my master's degree, um, and so I, I was given the opportunity to to look at some data for Mars. And this was something out of my own expertise. It was it was not something I had considered doing before, um, but. But it used the same techniques that I knew ab- about. Uh, so I had trained in remote sensing. And here was this wonderful data set looking at the surface of Mars and, and, and the minerals on the surface of Mars. Uh, in, in some ways, this data set was much better than anything we had for Earth. Um, so, so I was really excited to be able to apply the very same techniques I had learned to another planet. Uh, yeah, so I think that's, that's how it, it started. <laughs> Yeah, and that that flexibility and using transferable skills would be something that you mm. think would be very important for new researchers. Exactly. Yes, uh, I, I I would suggest um, go, going out of your own uh, comfort zone, uh, using the skills that you've learned to um, to to move across these these boundaries. Go and speak to people uh, on the other side of your you, you know your department, other departments. Uh, yeah. Be, become, I suppose, put yourself in a somewhat uncomfortable position and ask, uh, ask lots of questions, I guess. And was it hard for you to switch between a topic and an, another? Uh, sometimes, yes. Um, uh, Manage. <laughs> yeah, I, at times I was completely out of my depth. I, <laughs> uh, I, I have no doubt about that. Um, uh, Speaking to particle physicists, for example, always makes me nervous because I don't know anything about particle physics. Physics, but um, uh, but but it's just always fun, and I think I think I learn something new every time. Um, something a little bit different. Um, how would you define astrobiology? Um, well, that's that's a tough question. Uh, I, I suppose I am. Uh, I I consider myself an astrobiologist, but but also. Um, uh, not not a very in depth one. Uh, so so the work I I do um, uh, helps constrain uh, chemical conditions and physical conditions that may or may not be used to um, to to understand habitable environments. Um, essentially, I can I can understand um, uh, fluid chemistries. Uh, redox conditions, energy available for life, but uh, I'm not a biologist, and uh, I, I I essentially do not know how biology really works. <laughs> uh, it's it's complicated. It's so complicated. Uh, but 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 I love 
speaking to to biologists, molecular biologists who can help me constrain also and, and understand what require what life requires. Um, so you're using this multidisciplinary um, way of um, yeah of communication with other scientists. That's right. Yeah, and I think that's really fun also, and I would encourage everyone to to do that again uh, to speak to other people who who have their who have different um, you know areas of, of expertise. Well, this comes to the question: What is astrobiology for you? Um, so, so astrobiology. Um, sometimes I feel it shouldn't be separated from biology, but at other times I think, oh well, astrobiologists study maybe non-traditionally sort of conditions that are non-traditional for for maybe what I would call regular biologists. But the regular biologists also go out of their comfort zones and and study uh, conditions that are relevant for for. Um, uh, you know, extreme conditions that might be, uh, uh, you know, adequate for extremophiles. Um, so, so I find it's hard to tell biology from astrobiology sometimes. Could you tell us something about your experience in NASA? Um, so, uh, it, it's been great. Uh, I've had it, it, it's a fantastic environment uh, in which I get to chat to. Uh, loads of interesting people uh, with their own ideas, their own projects. Um, uh, uh, like, like I mentioned before, I just like being out of my comfort comfort zone, and um, uh, and being at NASA just offers me that opportunity every single day. Um, and I learn something new every day. I speak to somebody who uh, who has been working on asteroids or who has been working on uh, heliophysics, um, and then, the, you know, you, you don't always get something useful out of those conversations, but, um, but there's a high chance that you will. Um, so, so I, I love being at, uh, at the Jet Propulsion Lab and, and at NASA. Do you expect life to be present or have been present on Mars? Um, so from, uh, our own work, it seems that um, there was some period of time in which the conditions were right uh, to to maybe sustain life, uh, maybe simple life forms at least. Um, uh, but yes, so so early Mars is 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 one of my interests, and uh, and I do think uh, maybe the circumstances were just right uh, back then. What would be the first thing that you would do if uh, people found life on Mars? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I, I'd have to be really convinced <laughs> if if the people found life today. That's uh, something very. Uh, uh, there is this this saying that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, so I guess I'd need to see that. It it almost doesn't matter that uh, whether li uh, you know life existed on Mars early on because the circumstances were right for life as we know it to exist. Um, and so if, if life existed, fantastic. Um, it, it existed on early Earth too and, and we're the result of it. Um, but Mars is essentially, the surface of Mars, as far as we know, is, is dead. How would you expect this life form to be eventually? if they found it? 
Um, I mean, if if they found life on Mars today, I would expect it to be extremely hardy and um, uh, uh, you know adapted to living into in this really harsh environment for life as we know it. Um, somehow, it would have had to survive um, uh, cosmic rays at, at, at the surface. But then again, maybe if we are talking about extant life, then it would have to be far beneath the surface, away from cosmic radiation. So, you know, some, some sort of uh, organism that um, doesn't mind being under high pressures, perhaps. Uh, not a very complex organism, maybe. You were saying that if life existed on Mars um, in the past, it wouldn't really have made a difference because it's not there at the moment, and at least on the surface, as far as we know. Um, however, if there would have been life, um, you would, we would know that at least two planets that have life, um, and there would also maybe be a potential of um, early life on early Mars that could have tr been transported to early Earth. Um, wouldn't you think those have big uh, influences in the way we think of life? Maybe so, um, but but life need, needed to have developed somewhere in the first place. It it almost doesn't matter whether it occurred on Mars or whether it occurred on Earth. Um, the the uh, the environments were similar early on, so it you know I, I'm not sure we will ever be able to tell whether life originated on Mars and was delivered to Earth or if it originated on Earth and maybe was delivered to Mars through uh, me meteorites, essentially. Um, I, I have no doubt that maybe, you know, uh, that, that impacts could have uh, ejected uh, rocky material that, that might have contained um, uh, bacteria, for example, from Earth out into space. Um, we we have over a hundred Martian meteorites identified on on Earth, um, so so it's very likely that Earth's uh, uh, rocks could have also made it out into space onto uh, some other planetary body. We it, it, statistically it makes sense um, whether life could have survived entry into into a body and, and into a planetary body and thrived on the surface is is something else entirely. Do you have any advice or tips for new uh, for students that want to get a career into astrobiology or for new researchers? Um, I, I think the the best qualification you can have is to to be curious. Just be curious um, and and ask yourself tough questions and um, um, and 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 challenges should motivate you. I feel um, th things that are tough. Uh, I, you, you know, our, our challenge is essentially, um, to, to be surmounted. Um, and, uh, and maybe you don't have the skills personally sometimes. Uh, but, but again, you know, go out of your comfort zone, talk to people who might have, might have answers, um, or m who might have sort of interesting ideas that, um, uh, that might prompt you to, uh, to an answer. Uh, yeah, just, just be... Uh, just be open-minded, I feel. Yeah. Thank you, Mohit, for this uh, nice interview. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much you. for having me here. It, it was really fun.
Thank you for listening to the Tartan Tardigrade. If you'd like to find out more about the UK Centre for Astrobiology or astrobiology in general, you can visit our website at astrobiology.ac.uk. You'll also find links there to the other episodes of the podcast and a link where you can subscribe via the University of Edinburgh podcast service.